Hi, and welcome to the Literati Cast. I'm Jennifer Loughran, and I'm a literary agent at Andrea Brown Literary Agency, where I rep baby books through YA and everything in between. I also, if you don't know, love independent bookstores and spending all my time and money at them. As we are nearing gift season, this is the official return of the Great Big Holiday Gift Guide. I'll be interviewing three independent booksellers from various parts of the country, and they and I will be giving you our best recommendations for all the young folks on your shopping list, and some of the grown-ups too. Joining me are Abby Rauscher from Books or Magic in Brooklyn, New York, Cecilia Cackley from East City Bookshop on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and Stephanie Hines from Print a Bookstore in Portland, Maine. I'll be linking to all of their stores and to all of the books we talk about in the show notes on my website. That's at jenniferloughran.com slash literaticast. The links will be to IndieBound because I like to support small businesses with my shopping dollars whenever possible. But just so you know, these books should be available anywhere fine books are sold. Or you can request them from your local library if you just want to read them rather than gift them. However you do it, there are some seriously amazing books on this list, so I do hope you get your paws on them at some point. And now, on with the recommendations. Let's meet our first bookseller. Hi, Abby. Hello. First of all, could you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Abby Rauscher. I'm the children's buyer and manager at Books for Magic in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. How long have you been a bookseller? About five years. Um, I got my first job at Barnes & Noble as a part-time holiday cashier when I was 18, and it all kind of snowballed from there. Nice. Um, do you guys, do, tell me a little bit about Books for Magic, because I've not gotten a chance to visit you. Do you do a lot of events at your store, book clubs? What are some highlights of 2019? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have a bonkers event schedule. Like We do an event every single weeknight, um, sometimes two or three a night, depending on if we have off-sites and in event stores happening concurrently. Um, and I usually have picture book authors and illustrators in on weekends to host our 11 a.m. story time um, on both Saturdays and Sundays. Um, so like this past year, we hosted a Quake Mezzi for the launch of their YA novel pet, which was absolutely incredible. And I'm going to talk more about that later. And we did a mm-hmm. Rainbow Rowell's launch event for Wayward Sun, which I definitely lost a whole night of sleep reading all the way through. <laughs> and yeah, it's just crazy all the time. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's really fun. So I know that you're ready to give me a lot of book recommendations. Oh yes. I have a list. And I am also going to give some, but I have also recommendations for each of these categories, but I'm not going to talk about all of them with you because I have other booksellers coming as well. Mm -hmm. So first up, what is your top pick for holiday gift giving for picture books? And also, who is this good for? Picture books. My favorite right now is All the Ways to Be Smart by Davina Bell. Um, It's great for really any kid over three. Um, It's about all the different things that make a person unique. Like, what can you be smart at? Are you smart at bouncing a ball? Are you smart at jump roping? Are you smart at science? Um, And it's got a really lovely bouncy rhyme scheme to it that makes it really, really good for a read aloud. So my top pick in picture books is Hungry Jim by Laurel Snyder. Um, I would say it's Maurice Sendak-esque. It's kind of like a reverse Pierre. It's about a boy who wakes up to find he is turned into a lion with a big appetite and a grumpy disposition and what he does with that. It's about bad moods and the sort of beastliness that lives in all of us. It's funny. It's weird. It's got 
um, cannibalism kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's really special. I will say that not every grandparent might appreciate it. Like sometimes some very conservative people might say, oh, we should be teaching children that it's okay to eat townspeople. (laughs) But I mean, come on. He barfs them all up. I think cannibalism is appropriate for all ages. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, uh, okay, moving on. What is your top pick for baby or board books? Baby books. A to Z Menagerie by Susie Oltman. It's kind of a high price point for baby books. It's $23. Um, but it's really, really well made. It's super sturdy. Um, the illustrations are gorgeous. And for an A to Z, like an alphabet picture or board book, it's very creative. Um, it has lots of different kind of like animals and objects associated with each letter that you don't see in a lot of alphabet books. It has pull tabs and die cuts. So it's got that great interactive element for babies. And it's really, really sturdy. So it'll hold up for a long time. Um, how about our slightly older readers, chapter books? Uh, the Polly Diamond series by Alice Capers is my go-to hand sell whenever I have one of those readers. Um, the first book, Polly Diamond and the Magic Book, follows Polly Diamond, who loves to write, um, and she finds a magic book that makes everything she writes come to life. It's really fun and funny and thoughtful, and the illustrations are really good. Um, it's a really like uncommonly good series for like the six to eight set. Nice. I do not know that one, so it's on my list now. Next up is kids graphic novels. So I read Peel of the Woods by Mai K. Nguyen on a bench outside of Oblong a couple of months ago, and I cried like in public. It was really embarrassing. Um, this book is about nature and friendship and the many different forms that grief can take um, and young girls feeling all of their terrible, ugly feelings. Um, it's perfect for like the nine and up crowd, and it's got like an even enough blend of realistic and fantasy elements that I think it really appeals to fans of both. My pick for kids' graphic novels is Queen of the Sea by Dylan McConus. It is beautiful. It's set in a convent on an island in Tudor, England, or a sort of lightly fictionalized version of Tudor, England. This is is historical fiction, and it's not magical per se, but it feels magical. It's got, like, magic in it. The whole package is really beautiful and special. Like, when you lift this book up, it is heavy, like you think this is something I'm going to crack open and get lost in, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think it's a real treat for any graphic novel enthusiast, like 10 through adult. I really loved that one too, actually. It was so good. Well, it's my pick, so you can't have it. Sorry. No. (laughs) Uh, Okay, next up is middle grade fiction. So my pick for middle grade readers is Dennis Markell's The Ghosted Apartment 2R. Um, Dennis is actually one of my local authors. Um, He lives not far from my store, and this is his latest novel, and it has almost as big a heart as he does. He's a total sweetheart. Um, It's a ghost story set in Brooklyn. Um, It's scary and funny and like a really good balance, and he talks very frankly and thoughtfully about like the spread of gentrification in Brooklyn neighborhoods, which is like a whole different type of scary story in itself. What about for the teenagers, YA fiction? So this is where I talk more about Pet by Akweke Mezi. And I'm glad you're doing that because it was going to be my pick, but <laughs> it could be yours. Okay. I'll no, it's it. mine. You can't have it. <laughs> so it's speculative fiction. Um, it follows a young black trans girl in the safest city in the world. But when she accidentally summons Pet into her world, uh, her understanding of safety is suddenly turned completely upside down because Pet is here to hunt a monster and all of the monsters are supposed to be gone. Um, it's so good and so smart and so well-written and the themes are handled deftly enough that I think it even really works well as a crossover for like those YA leaning 12 year old readers. And it was a national book award finalist. So yes, I think that is a, a good recommendation from 
very wise people, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Besides us, obviously. (laughs) I think they're the wisest, but... I mean, I agree, but hey. Okay, moving on to nonfiction. And this could be nonfiction for any age. So my favorite for nonfiction is A Quick and Easy Guide to Queer and Trans Identities by J.R. Zuckerberg and Mady G. Um, It's a slim little book. It's only about 100 pages long, um, and it's packed to the brim with all sorts of helpful information told through like comics, interviews, like hypothetical scenarios, all sorts of things like that um, about coming out and being queer or being trans. Um, I really would have killed for a book like this growing up. So if you know a kid on this earth who's vibing with one of like the LGBTQ letters, you need to pick this up for them ASAP. My pick is vastly different from that. (laughs) It is Mythologica, which is an encyclopedia of gods, monsters, and mortals from ancient Greece by Steve Kershaw and Victoria Topping. And it comes out from Wide-Eyed Editions, which... Listeners might know do really beautiful, large books often. This book is really extraordinary. It's way oversized, so it won't fit on your typical small children's bookshelf, but it is so beautiful. It belongs on your coffee table. It doesn't necessarily take the place of a great book of Greek myths, but it's a very worthwhile introduction to the characters or supplementary book for any myth lover already out there. It's a great reference book. I cannot stress enough how glorious the illustrations are. This is one of those books that kids are just going to pour over every detail and get lost in. And it's great for any age, actually, including grownups. I really loved the illustrations in that one. They're especially unique. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, you see it from across the room and you're like, what is that? I need to look at it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so now is the favorite, my favorite part, the wild card category. So you can pick up to three categories of people and what you would get them as a gift. So this is your chance for some of those miscellaneous. Yes. So what is your first wild card pick? First, who is it for? And then what is the gift? So my first wild card is the best gift for a baby shower or otherwise extremely infant child. Like can't even pick your head up infant. Um, I'm obsessed with Ingla Arrhenius's Lift the Flat Board book series from Nosy Crow. Um, there's a bunch of them, though. My favorite is Where's the Bear? Because I really like bears. Um, they have super clean illustrations, really vibrant colors, and all of the flaps are felt and very sturdy. So they're both hard to destroy and have that really great tactile quality to them. Um, and all of the books end in a mirror, which is mind-blowing to tiny humans. Yes. This, in fact, was going to be one of my board book picks, but it won't be now. Mm. Thank you. Next wild card pick, please. Uh, for the horror lover of any age... A World Full of Spooky Stories by Angela McAllister. It's a collection of 50 spine-chilling fairy and folk tales from around the world. They're a kid-friendly flavor of scary, so it's a great gift for kids. But if you have any adults on your list who are avid horror lovers, this would be a great book for their collection. Um, it's a wonderful reference book. And if you're any kind of like fairy tale obsessive person like I am, you're going to adore it. I will actually piggyback off that with my wildcard pick. This is the best crossover book. So this is for grown-ups or a mature teenager who wants to read grown-up books or anyone who likes fantasy books set in college, like The Magicians or Discovery of Witches. The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. It's legitimately scary. I was listening to the audio and I had to stop and call my mommy because I was so freaked out. (laughs) I mean, bear in mind that I'm a total scaredy cat. But it's set amongst the secret societies of Yale And it's really spectacular. Unlike Bardugo's other series, this one is definitely a grown-up book and it's marketed as such. But older teens will definitely like it too. Um, Bardugo is just a master of immersive fantasy. Um, And I'm 
piggybacking that onto yours because you said horror and I was like, oh, mine is kind of horror. Okay. Yeah, I've been afraid to pick it up because it sounds a little too scary for me. Um, I think you should, though. If you like any kind of secrets, if the word secret societies feels interesting to you, then pick it okay. up. It's great. All right. And your final wild card, please. My final wild card is for the gamer, ages 12 to adult. It's a history of video games by Ian Simons and James Newman. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of video games. I always have been. And gaming has packed a lot of history into like its 40-ish years of existence. Uh, This book lays it all out in a really interesting way because it tackles it by examining objects rather than like a proper timeline. Um, And it's got like a really nice, like weighty, gifty feel to it. The cover is gorgeous. Um, And I would have been stoked to get this book when I was 12 or like now. (laughs) That sounds like a fantastic gift. Um, So now the best part of every episode is when we stop talking about books and (laughs) start talking about obsessions. So Uh, my question for you is, what are you obsessed with right now? It does not have to be bookish, but it can be. And I will start with mine so that you can have time to think. Mine is probably Junior Bake Off. If you are a Great British Bake Off, Great British Baking Show fan, Junior Bake Off is available on YouTube. It is features the adorable Liam, who is a former contestant on the grown-up version of Bake Off. He's one of the judges. Um, if you love Great British Baking Show but want more sweetness and less Paul Hollywood, you should check it out. <laughs> they are dropping an episode a day right now from season five. So I assume that there are more seasons on YouTube as well. I just started season five and I'm still watching it, so I haven't looked backward yet. But I am enjoying that immensely. Abby, what are you obsessed with right now? I hop obsessions like a crazy person. Um, In my downtime, I mostly play video games. uh, And the one that's been consuming my life since August is Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a game that happens when you mash up an Otomi game with a turn-based tactics RPG. Um, And there's a very specific subset of the fandom on Twitter that is comprised wholly of lesbian women like myself who are obsessed with the game's women characters. So like as of this chat, I've played about 120 hours of the game and I'm writing like two separate fan fictions about it. Um, Wow. (laughs) And it's only like the second Fire Emblem game to have like explicitly gay and bisexual characters. So it's been really, really fun watching the fandom explode into like a hotbed of LGBTQ adoration. Unfortunately, I don't even know any of the words you just said because I don't have a game making machine. Like, how do you even? I, I yeah, I don't know uh, a technology that does the beat. <laughs> I don't have that kind of technology in my house, but I'm sure it's great. It's very fun. <laughs> okay, how do you? What machine is it on? It's on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, okay. So you can. I don't have that. You can take it around with you on the train, which I like to do, um, or you can play it at home on your TV. It's you can switch it up. (laughs) Um, Well, maybe uh, Father Christmas will bring me a Nintendo Switch. I have hint, hint, hopes and prayers. If they're listening, anyway. Thank you, Abby. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm great. So first of all, can you introduce yourself, give me your store location, your position, and everything else? 
Sure. My name is Cecilia Cackley. I'm the children's and young adult buyer and event coordinator for East City Bookshop in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Nice. Um, How long have you been a bookseller and do you do anything else in the store? So I have been a bookseller off and on for over 15 years. I was very lucky as a teenager, and the tiny little children's bookstore across the street from my high school hired me as an assistant store manager at age 16. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Basically, the teens got to run the store. It was that small, and nobody really cared. Uh, It would make a really good YA book. I should write it sometime. Um, (laughs) And yeah, after college, I I went into education and eventually came back to bookselling. I worked at Hooray for Books which is a great children's bookstore in Alexandria for six years as just a a floor bookseller and then moved over to East City as the buyer about a year after they opened. So I've been there for a little over two years now. I was the first children's specialist they ever hired. So I got to build the section from the ground up, which is really exciting. And I get to do lots of cool things. I run our teen arc club and help out with our two other children's book clubs, work on events, work on displays, basically do a little bit of everything. That's awesome. So are you ready to give us a bunch of book recommendations? So ready. All right. So I need you to restrain yourself to one pick in each category, but you will have a wild card section at the end. <sighs> Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> So what is your top pick in picture books and who is this good for too? Sure. So my favorite picture book this this year is called My Papi Has a Motorcycle and it's written by Isabel Quintero and the pictures are by Zeke Pena. It's published by Penguin. And I love this story, which is about a little girl going for a motorcycle ride with her father because we have so many vehicle books. We have so many truck books and train books and car books, but motorcycles just don't have as much out there. And I love that this is a family story. It has a lot of movement and action to it, but it also has a lot of really lovely, quiet moments as they look around their small town and say hi to their neighbors and think about places that are important to them, like the snow cone shop. And the pictures are just beautiful. So I think this is good for any kid who likes things that move, um, but who also you know, like to, to read a book that has lots of lovely visual detail to pour over and, and look at again and again. It's a wonderful book. And astute listeners will remember that we had Namrata on and that um, she is the publisher of Kokila who published this book in their first um, round of books that they published. So um, we've heard about this book before and it is a fantastic gift choice. What is your pick for baby or board books? So I'm really excited that Abrams has started releasing board books by Nikki McClure, who's one of my favorite artists. She's a paper cut artist from Washington State. And her newest board book this year is called How to Be a Cat. And I love this book for very little babies because it's white and black. It's very high contrast, which is good for babies. The pictures are just stunning. And the text is very simple. It's just single words that take you through the day in the life of this little kitten. And again, they're very active and descriptive. So with a slightly older baby or toddler, you could actually act out and encourage a child to play like a cat. But with a very tiny baby, you could just read them and it would be very soothing. 
it's also just good for anybody who likes cats, no matter their age. Well, I'm going to piggyback on that with my pick um, for baby board books, also a cat book. My pick is Scratchy, a touch and feel cat venture by Maria Putri. It's out from Little Simon. This is like Pat the Bunny for the modern age. Super cute illustrations of a sassy little black cat who invites baby readers to touch, feel, and scratch different textures, such as a scritchy doormat and corrugated cardboard, and finally, of course, soft kitty fur. It's tactile, it's adorable, and it makes a perfect baby gift. That sounds awesome. It is. And scratchy, by the way, is spelled S-C-R-A-T-C-H-I-E, because that's the cat's name, Scratchy. Aww. Yay. Um, Okay. Now for slightly older, how about chapter books? So my favorite chapter book, which has a lot of visuals in it, that came out this year is called Pippa by Design. And it's written by Claudia Logan, who's a Canadian writer and published by Macmillan. And the subtitle to this book is A Story of Ballet and Costumes. And it focuses on a young girl who has to tag along to her older sister's ballet lessons and is always really bored, but she loves to draw. And one day her sketchbook goes missing and she finally figures out that the wardrobe manager of the theater has found it. She gets invited to be an apprentice in the costume shop and learns all about the incredible amount of work that goes into making costumes for ballet dancers and the different departments within the costume department at the ballet theater. The text is supplemented by nonfiction sections and there are actual photographs from the National Ballet of Canada costume workshop in addition to illustrated parts. And I worked in a wardrobe department when I was in college. And I think this book is absolutely perfect, not just for people who like ballet and who like to dance, but any kid who loves fashion, who loves to sew, who loves to draw, and to imagine themselves in the role of deciding what kind of costumes performers might wear. That is so cool. I've not seen that. I have to look it up. It's so good. Okay. How about kids' graphic novels? So you took my pick for this one. That's my favorite. It's Queen of the Sea. It's fine. Um, So I went with uh, The Tea Dragon Festival by Katie O'Neill from Oni Press, which is the follow-up to The Tea Dragon Society. And I I love pretty much everything that Katie O'Neill creates. All of her work is very quiet and beautiful and tranquil and just makes you feel all cozy inside looking at her pictures and reading her words. And I love her concept of these little tea dragons uh, who grow flowers out from their horns and the leaves get used to make tea. Um, All of her books have a lovely family element to it, lovely friendship and cooperation. And the Tea Dragon Festival is just lovely. And astute listeners will remember that I think two years ago, this the first book was Nicole Brinkley's pick. Probably. The um, Dragon Society. Um, but I don't think you need to read them. I think you can read them out of order, right? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So how about middle grade fiction? One of my favorite books for middle grade this year is Letty Out Loud by Angela Cervantes from Scholastic. This is the book that I recommend to kids who love animals. It's a realistic fiction story about a girl who goes to a summer camp at an animal shelter. And in sort of time-honored middle grade fashion, there turns into a contest, a boy-girl, boys versus girls contest, to see which kid can write the biographies of the animals that gets the most of them adopted. And 
so it, you've got all these lovely details of cats and dogs and all these different animals. And I especially like it because the main character is a girl who's a little bit nervous about this task because English is not her first language. But with the help and support of her friends and her family, um, she's able to, to complete her goal and everybody ends up happy at the end and everybody gets an animal and it's just absolutely lovely and delightful. Yay. So my pick for middle grade is My Jasper June by Laurel Snyder. Um, I just am really a Laurel Snyder fan, I guess, because she was also the author of my picture book pick. But um, My Jasper June is basically a perfect middle grade novel about friendship. Laurel's writing is gorgeous. It explores tough topics like economic insecurity and grief, but never feels preachy or too depressing. Um, it's really a special book and I hope that it will be, you know, garner lots of love and awards this year. She gets better and better with each book. Yeah. She's amazing. And also just a doll and has been a guest on this podcast. We love Laurel. Anyway, um, now, uh, YA fiction, please. Sure. So at our store, fantasy is pretty much king of both middle grade and the YA sections, but especially YA, all of our kids in teen arc club um, and our our teen readers who come and hang out at the shop really love uh, fantasy and action adventure. So one of our big sellers this year has been We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia, just published by HarperCollins. And it's a story of revolution, of spies, lots of complicated plots and sneaking around, and also a really, really lovely love story. So for anyone who wants a book about girls taking back control, about learning to understand the the depths and the potential within themselves and uh, within others who maybe they they didn't recognize would be their uh, friends and collaborators, I think it's a really great choice. It also just has an absolutely beautiful cover. The design is gorgeous and the sequel is coming out in February. So if you want to give somebody a beginning of a series that will look really good on Instagram. This is an excellent choice. (laughs) And then they'll be able to pick up the sequel as soon as they're done. Exactly. Now, nonfiction, this could be for any age. Sure. So my pick for nonfiction is a series that just had a new edition come out. It's Vashti Harrison's nonfiction series of inspirational figures from history, which started with Little Leaders and then Little Dreamers. And the latest book that just came out is called Little Legends, Exceptional Black Men in History. And Vashti's art is just beautiful. It's lovely and simple, uh, makes everybody so happy to look at it. And I always learn something from her books. I learn about people who should have been in my history textbooks, but were not. And I'm really glad I get to read about them now. Awesome. So now here's the fun part. Well, it's all been fun, but this is for, um, this is the wild card section. So you can pick up to three categories of random people and what you would get them as a gift. So for example, my pick for wild card is best Christmas book for people who don't celebrate Christmas. Um, I get questions about people who want um, books about solstice and stuff all the time. The Shortest Day is a poem by Newbery Award winner Susan Cooper. Um, She wrote The Dark is Rising, among many other books. It's now been beautifully illustrated as a picture book by the Caldecott Award honoree, Carson Ellis. It's about solstice and Yule and all the ways that humans have of beating back the darkness in the dead of winter. It's absolutely gorgeous and completely non-denominational, but also feels 
deeply spiritual at the same time. I think this is a great Christmassy book for people who are not Christmas celebrants. I would absolutely agree. And that poem is read at the Christmas Revels uh, every year in Washington, D.C. And I'm really excited to sell it to people who have that as a holiday tradition to go to the Revels and who know the poem well from that context. Nice. So give me your wildcard picks. Okay. So my first wildcard category is picture book for people who like celebrity picture books. I, like many children's booksellers, have certain feelings about celebrities writing picture books. (laughs) Sometimes it works. Many times it does not. Uh, But I really, really loved the picture book Solwi by Lupita Nyong'o, which came out from Simon & Schuster this year. And it's a beautifully, beautifully illustrated book. Vashti Harrison did the illustrations about self-esteem and learning to appreciate your own beauty and your own skin. And I think it would just make an absolutely lovely gift book uh, for for young people this holiday. Um, My second category, which I think I actually stole from you, is best adult book that teens will also appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, And my pick is Gods of Jade and Shadows, by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, which is published by Random House. And it is a road trip story uh, meshed with magic and, uh, and ancient, ancient gods and beliefs. It's set in Mexico in the 1920s and follows a young girl named Cassiopeia who has always been sort of the poor country cousin, Cinderella figure in her family. But one day she opens a chest in her grandfather's bedroom and accidentally releases a Maya death god. What? Who is missing a few parts of his body. No! And who (laughs) enlists her in his long road trip to recover said body parts and to defeat his brother who imprisoned him in the first place. It's great. (laughs) All right. You have one more wild card, please. Okay. um, Our favorite series for kids who love Harry Potter which is also our best-selling middle grade series at the shop this year, is Love Sugar Magic by Ana Mariano, published from by Walden Pond Press. And I like to describe this series as Harry Potter mixed with the Great British Bake Off with a little bit of the movie Coco thrown in. <gasps> it's about a young girl who finds out accidentally, that the reason her family's bakery is so successful is that her sisters and her mother are brujas, they're witches, and they put a little bit of magic into everything they bake. And she, of course, thinks this is amazing. And of course, and I'm going to be the best of them all. And they tell her, oh, no, you're too young. Wait a few years, your magic will come. You'll learn how to use it. It'll be great. And yeah, what middle schooler wants to hear that? So she decides, no, I have problems that need solving. Magic will solve everything. You can imagine how well that goes. (laughs) Um, This book has recipes included with it. Uh, Two books in the series are out so far, and the third one is coming in the winter. And it has so much humor and heart and uh, lovely portrayal of families working together and supporting kids when they mess up. And uh, just has lovely magic and incorporation of Spanish and Mexican-American culture. And it's my favorite series ever. Uh, that is amazing. And I have to read it immediately based on Harry Potter meets great British baking show with Coco. Um, I'm obsessed. Now I'm obsessed with that. 
which leads us to our next uh, question, the famous what are you obsessed with question. It does not have to be bookish, but it can be. Um, mine is, I'll go first so that you can have time to think of yours. My current obsession is proof of how absolutely non-literary I truly am in my off hours. <laughs> it is the Netflix show Instant Hotel. I watched it some months back, actually, and now one of my friends is watching it and texting me updates every five minutes. So it's making me relive the glory of the show. It's a competition show in which multiple couples from Australia who own like Airbnb type short term rental vacation properties, which I guess Australians call instant hotels, are pitted against one another to find out who has the best instant hotel. It has just the right amount of low stakes drama to be highly enjoyable and not stressful. And the cast of characters are a delight in that love to hate kind of way. It's extremely fun. I hope there is a third season. I love Instant Hotel. <sighs> that sounds amazing, and I have to check it out. <laughs> yes. Um, Cecilia, what is your obsession? So at the moment, I am obsessed with the musical Six about Henry VIII's wives, which is coming to Broadway this winter sometime, I think. It played in Chicago, and my sister saw it there. And I recently downloaded the soundtrack and have been listening to it on repeat because it's really, really, really catchy. The premise is that Henry VIII's six wives have kind of gotten together and founded this girl group. And <laughs> each of them sings a song uh, that's very kind of snarky and updated uh, for, for the modern day about their trials and tribulations and, and what happened to them over the course of their lives. And I like it because it leaves Henry out pretty much entirely. He's not even on stage at all. And it puts all the focus on the women, but it, it's just so catchy and danceable. And yeah, I have been listening to it on repeat. Well, that is extremely my shit as the kids say. So um, I cannot wait for that to come to Broadway. Okay. Cecilia, thank you so much for giving me your recommendations. Thank you. This has been an absolute honor. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I'm really excited I got to be part of it. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Can you please introduce yourself, including the name of your store, location, what you do, etc. Yeah, sure. My name is Stephanie Hines. I am the children's manager at Print a Bookstore up in Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Um, and what that kind of entails for me is that I do both the buying and the events for our children's department, as well as handling a lot of our community involvement, doing our book fairs or school visits and all of that kind of stuff. Awesome. Can you give us a sense of the size of your store and yeah, so uh, print just opened. Uh, we'll actually be having our third anniversary on uh, this coming Saturday, which for me that would be uh, the tomorrow, the twenty third of February of November, <laughs> whatever month it is. Um, <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. Um, so we are pretty small. We're only a five person staff, including the two co owners. Um, square footage wise, I unfortunately don't have a really great sense of spatial awareness um but <laughs> well that's okay i don't think anybody's store. yeah <laughs> yeah there's not a quiz or anything like that. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready to give me some book recommendations always <laughs> okay so i need to ask you to restrain yourself to one book in each category please but there will be wild cards at the end so 
Stephanie, Mm -hmm. what is your top pick in picture books and who is this good for? My top pick for picture books uh, is called Home in the Woods by Eliza Wheeler. She's both the author and the illustrator. It is absolutely gorgeous. And so I really think it's something that's good both for, you know, actual picture book intended audiences, as well as readers of any age who just enjoy beautiful artwork. Um, It's inspired by the author's uh, family history set during the Great Depression when her uh, grandmother, who was a young child at the time, her family lost their house. There were, I believe, seven or eight children, um, and they ended up having to live in what was, for all intents and purposes, a dilapidated shack in the woods. Um, And it goes through each season. Um, But what I really love about it is that it's about this really tough time, but the entire time it's just focused on the love and the heart of the family and the experiences that they have together. So it really is great for uh, those older elementary schools talking about um, history or just people who want a nice, heartwarming, beautiful story about family. And Eliza Wheeler's illustrations are gorgeous. They really are. (laughs) Okay. Now, how about for those new babies board books? Yeah, I really love – there's a board book that came out this year called Pride Colors by Robin Stevenson. And what it does is it looks at the LGBTQ plus flag in each of the colors and kind of explains what it means alongside a photograph of um, children and of queer families. And so it's really great both for – Um, queer parents having a baby or also just anyone who wants to make sure they're having an inclusive library for their kids. Awesome. How about chapter books? I absolutely love uh, The Quiet Boat Ride and Other Stories by Sergio Rosario. Um, It's a super sweet kind of like early chapter book where um, it's also comic book style. So it's a great crossover there for either kids who want to be reading graphic novels or kids who are still only feeling comfortable with picture books. Um, And it's about this relationship between uh, Fox and Chick and Fox just kind of wants to have a quiet life and do things normal. And Chick is always freaking out. Uh, And so it's really great to read out loud as well, because you can have fun voices for both of the characters and really get the kids involved with it. Um, But it's absolutely so funny. Thank you. I have to say that I represent Sergio. Oh, so wonderful. This was not, <laughs> not paid advertising on my part. Um, <laughs> um, and of course, Fox and Chick are also in another book, which is Fox and Chick at the Party. Oh, yes. And there are more Fox and Chick books coming. So if you mm. like The Quiet Boat Ride, there's more. Um, okay. How about, oh, actually, I have a pick in chapter books, which is the Time Twisters series by Steve Scheinken. Um, he's the master of bringing nonfiction to life for older kids. And in this hilarious series, he sort of breaks history. Hmm. There's real facts, but also surreal, not so facts. Like book one is called Abraham Lincoln pro wrestler (laughs) in which Abe Lincoln overhears kids talking about how history is boring and decides to mix it up. It's like Bill and Ted for seven to nine-year-olds. It's very funny. I was about to say, be excellent to each other. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In the follow-ups, Abigail Adams becomes a pirate and Amelia Earhart goes to the first Olympics. Oh, that's so cool. So, time twisters. Um, How about kids' graphic novels? Uh, This is such a hard one to choose just one, but following the rules, um, I would choose The Breakaways by Kathy G. Johnson. Um, It is about a soccer team in, I believe, a middle school, but it is not the 
top tier soccer team. It is a bunch of kids who kind of got tricked into joining the team by this other girl who was super popular and not on that team. Um, and it's great because it's very diverse in its casting. Um, all of the players are coming from different experiences at the beginning of it none of them really want to be there or around each other. And over the course of the graphic novel, you see their friendships grow, you see them grow as a team. And you also um, watch as a lot of the girls on the team deal with things going on outside in their life as well. Okay. How about middle grade fiction? Middle grade fiction. Um, I absolutely loved uh, The Long Ride by Marina Budas. Um, it is uh, kind of near historical fiction set in, I want to say the 70s in New York City. Um, and it's looking at uh, busing programs that were tried to integrate schools. And what's interesting is that the main three characters are young women that are living in a more wealthy suburb of um one of the outlying boroughs and they are actually the only three uh, kids of color in their school. And so for them, there's this concept of going to a school more in the inner city that all of a sudden there might be people who look more like them and they won't stand out in that manner, but they are still experiencing the fact that um, they can't really relate to what some of the kids at this new school have been through in the socioeconomic st- uh, sense of it. Um, so it's figuring out kind of who they are, both when they're at home and in this new environment. Um, and one of the girls actually um, does not go to this new school with them because their parents are, are worried about her not getting a good education. So it's also about the friendship between these three girls as they're growing and figuring things out and finding relationships outside the three of them. Um, it's just a really great book. How about YA fiction? I just actually finally recently finished uh, The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Um, It's absolutely perfect for anyone who's interested in those kind of women-focused dystopian feminist books. Um, You know, anyone who likes stuff like The Handmaid's Tale or The Power. um, Yes, (laughs) go on. (laughs) Um, And it's also set in this kind of almost Wild West-type world um, where there are these things called... um, Oh, I'm completely blanking on the names of the houses, but there's houses that uh, girls are taken to um, to pretty much you know service men who come in. Um, and the very very beginning of the book, this is no spoilers because it's the absolute first chapter. Um, one of the main characters, it is her first night that she's supposed to be out on the floor and having her first encounter with someone. Um, and she ends up killing him. And so the whole whoops, <laughs> hey now, <laughs> the whole rest of the book is about um, these group of women escaping from this house and trying to find their way to who they are told is this woman who, if they paid her enough money, um, she can take away these marks that they have on their skin, which identifies them as um, members of the house. And it also has some underlying magic going on where the uh, the marks, if they try and cover them up, they start to burn after a while and start to glow. So it's not something they can easily cover up and they are trying to have it removed. Um, and once again, it's has this really cool magical element going on to it. And it definitely has adventure going on. But at the heart of it, it's about the relationship between uh, this group of young women trying to find their freedom and also trying to stand up against a world that has constantly put them down 
That sounds amazing. My pick is very different. I got to actually sneak another graphic novel in here mm-hmm. because my pick is Mooncakes. It's a graphic novel by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Shu. It's a delightful witch werewolf romance with queer multicultural intersectionality. And yes, it's totally adorable. <laughs> um, okay. How about nonfiction? This could be for any age. For nonfiction, I actually went back to picture book for the important thing about Margaret Weiss Brown, written by Mac Barnett and illustrated by Sarah Jacoby. It is so, so good. Definitely one of like, not just my favorite nonfiction, but one of my favorite picture books that has come out recently. Um, And it has Mac Barnett's kind of classic, almost weird, like, is this actually for kids writing style, but that engaged so well with the younger readers. Um, And it's looking at just all of these different facts and aspects of Margaret Weiss Brown's life. Um, So once again, ties into any of those kids who love real facts and real history, any kids who really love Margaret Weiss Brown's other books. Um, And it's just such a wonderful tale of a lot of things that I didn't even know about her Um, just such as how much of a pushback she got when she was trying to publish. Um, And one of my absolute favorite pages in the book um, just very simply states that Margaret Weiss Brown throughout her life was once in love with a man and she was once in love with a woman and then moves on. Um, And I just, I had no idea about that. Um, And I love the fact that it just made it another fact of her life. Yeah, I absolutely adore this book. It's beautiful. So now comes the wild card round. Okay. In this round, you get to pick up to three categories of random people and what you would get them as a gift. So for example, my pick, best gift for a young adult who is into witchery. I'm talking tarot, crystals, general self-care, if you will. This is not a book, actually, but I did buy it at my bookstore, so I'm counting it as a book. <laughs> I would get The Modern Witch Tarot Deck by Lisa Sturl. So Lisa is a graphic novelist who has created this gorgeous tarot deck, clearly targeting a young, cool demographic, such as myself. <laughs> um, the interpretations of each card are the interpretations of each card are empowering and full of witchy female energy, and the cards themselves are highly Instagrammable. It is a beautiful deck and I think will um, be very empowering and inspiring for young witches. <laughs> An important demographic to be reaching. Yes, it is. Um, how about your wildcard picks? First category and then what the book is. Yeah, sure. So for my first one uh, would be for anyone who loves reading novels in verse, uh, would be Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga. I actually listened to the audiobook of it, and it just has this beautiful cadence to it. Um, the general premise of it is that the main character, a young girl named uh, Yuda, is living in an area of Syria that, as she phrases it, is not the place that you see on television. Um, historically, it's more of an area that a lot of people in the country would go to for a vacation. It is a traditionally pretty quiet uh, but beautiful area, um, but there's no way for any portion of the country to not be affected by the conflict happening. And so slowly Yuda notices shifts in her own town. She notices people aren't coming as often and stores are closing down. Um, So her and her mother end up moving to the United States. Um, And part of that too, is the fact that Yuda's only experience of the United States is through Julia Roberts films and other things (laughs) of that era. 
Um, and it's so it's all about her trying to adjust to this new life without any of the preconceptions of what really honestly racist and uh, uh, Islamophobic stances a lot of people might have in the country. And so it's her kind of learning about that, but also not letting herself be limited by those views of other people. Um, Another one of my wild card picks would be for your tabletop nerd, uh, which would be uh, this wonderful comic book called Die by Karen Gillian and Stephanie Hans. Um, the best way to quickly summarize it is that it is goth Jumanji. Um, <laughs> the general premise of it is that there is a group of uh, teenage friends who, for one of their birthdays, someone just creates this tabletop game and they all disappear. Um, all of them, except for the person who created the game, appear three to five years later, um, very visibly scarred from what had happened, but unable to speak of it. And then it all of a sudden jumps to, I want to say, 30 years after that, where an event happens that kind of brings them back to that moment. Um, Stephanie Hans's artwork in particular is just gorgeous. It's this very watercolor painted style um, and definitely great for anyone who's interested in tabletop gaming or really any type of fantasy nerddom in general. Um, and then my final wildcard pick would be for our audiobook fans. I really loved listening to The Field Guide to the North American Teenager by Ben Philippe earlier this year. Um, I thought that it was one of those books that had so much humor to it that I genuinely found myself laughing along to it, which can, I know everyone's like, oh, it's laugh out loud funny for a lot of things, but I find it's hard to, to really find myself surprised by laughter sometimes with writing. Um, and I was constantly laughing at this. Uh, the general premise is that there is a, uh, teenage boy who is a black boy living in Quebec, who is moving from Quebec to Texas with his mother, um, and just dealing with this in not the best attitude. Um, he ends up creating this book that is kind of similar to, you know, like the burn book from mean girls type thing where he just has his, ideas and thoughts about everything going on around him. Um, but it's also him learning to kind of face those preconceptions that he has about Texas teenagers and the culture there and learning to create a space there, even if it's not at all where he wants to be. Uh, we did an event with him at the bookstore and he was so freaking hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I will also so say I'm that the author website is one of my favorite author websites that I've ever seen. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Like just <laughs> even in his bio, you are feeling his sense of humor and his energy. And it's very impressive. Nice. I will put a link to it in the show notes. So finally, um, our favorite moment in every episode, I ask, what are you obsessed with right now? It does not have to be bookish, but it can be. And I will start with mine. So you have time to think of yours. Okay. Actually didn't write one down this time. So I'm just winging it. Um, right now I'm obsessed with pears. So I got like a bushel of pears from the farm stand because they're about to close and the pears looked good and they're going to close for the season. So I was like, oh, got to stock up. But pears have a very limited moment in time when they're perfect. Like they're either hard as rocks or they're disgusting. And there's a one shining moment where they're perfect. So right now we're in that moment. So I have, but I have a lot of pears. So I'm trying to use them all very quickly. So I made pear cake, Ooh. but I didn't shop first. <laughs> so I made pear cake with what I had on hand. 
and I didn't have, for example, oil. <laughs> so I used applesauce and I didn't have pecans. So I used walnuts and I didn't have, like, there were numerous modifications to this thing because I didn't have the right size pan. Like I did everything wrong, but guess what? It was still delicious. So I'll put a link to that recipe as well. Yeah, if you want to like send a sample to me, feel free. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we devoured it all. So, Uh, Stephanie, what are you obsessed with? Um, Something that might not come as a surprise with my earlier recommendation of Die as I, over the past year, have gotten very into uh, tabletop games, D&D in particular. I've always been a big fan of board games and wanted to try D&D. My only experience with it before, uh, I guess, last fall was when I was pretty young. I was like fourth or fifth grade or something and I, we were over at my friend's house in the basement and his dad dm'd with us and we immediately got killed by a bunch of rats after spending like an hour building characters uh so <laughs> this has kind of been my renaissance of it um and i'm actually doing a and d club at one of the local elementary schools um and i am a unbelievable fan of uh, Critical Role, which is a D&D live cast that I'm sure some people have heard of and watched before. Um, and I highly recommend if anyone's ever been thinking about trying D&D or trying some other type of role-playing game or tabletop experience, just now is the time to try it. It's so accessible and it's just a lot of fun to do this collaborative storytelling either with people who are living near you or using some online tools to do it through Skype or, or what have you. Um, it's just absolutely the best thing. Also, the dice are so pretty and I just want all of them. <laughs> I have to say, I do not know how to play d and I want to and everything. It's not like I hate it. I just don't know. And I'm too introverted to ask strangers to t- show me what to do, but I do have a ton of dice. <laughs> so pretty. One of my like, oh, anyway, I was gonna say one of my long term goals oh. is I want to do like a bookseller D and D or other type of tabletop podcast thing where we would be playing with authors. So I'll definitely let you know if that happens. Awesome, please do. Um, all right, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining yeah, me. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much to Abby, Cecilia, and Stephanie, my wonderful bookseller guests. If you like this podcast and want to get me a present this holiday season, I'd love it if you told a friend or posted a review on Apple Podcasts. More reviews help more people find the show. The Literati Cast also has a Patreon. Throw in a buck and help me keep the podcasts coming. That's at patreon.com slash literatycat. All the books we talked about today will be up in the show notes on my website, as well as links to all these terrific bookstores. That's at jenniferlawfren.com slash literaticast. I hope your holiday season is wonderful and stress-free and filled with lots of glorious books. Thanks so much for listening and see you next year.